Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode of SFF Yeah is sponsored in part by Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Live your best bookish life with the updated perks at Book Riot Insiders. We've sweetened the current short story and novel levels and introduced a brand new epic level. And you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read, available to all epic members, and there's no cap on epic, so the more the merrier. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by epic subscribers that will fill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. Get the full details on this and all the other perks and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 76 and we're recording on April 3rd. I'm Sharif Williams and I'm here with Jen Northington and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today we got a chance to take it easy on the reading and we're going to discuss a Willow rewatch, which was very much needed for me at least. (laughs) (laughs) No, this was, we didn't set out to time it this way, but it was sort of, I think the second or third week of like real quarantine over here and this could not have come at a better time. It really couldn't have. I... I still waited until the last minute to watch it, partly because <laughs> I have a memory like a sieve, and so I knew that I needed to like have it fresh in my mind, but also because I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna like relax a little and then I'm gonna I'm gonna treat myself to Willow once we're coming up on the episode recording. So I just watched it a couple days ago, and I'm definitely ready to talk about all my thoughts and feels. Yes, yes, extremely same. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, but before we get into our new segment, it is time to thank another sponsor, uh, Sword in the Stars, published by Jimmy Patterson Books, which is a once-in-future novel by Corey McCarthy and Amy Rose Capetta. In this epic sequel to Once and Future, Ari and her rainbow knights must pull off a holy grail heist thousands of years in the past without destroying their own destinies. Ari and her cursed wizard cousin, Merlin, must travel back in time to the unenlightened Middle Ages and steal King Arthur's grail, the very definition of the impossible. It is imperative that the time travelers not skew the timeline and alter the course of history. Coming face to face with the original Arthurian legend could produce a ripple effect that changes everything. I do love a time travel story, and this has like a little bit of like King Arthur plus Back to the Future vibe to it from the description, which is a fun combo. So if you have been waiting for something like that, now is your time. Again, that's Sword in the Stars, which is a once and future novel by Corey McCarthy and Amy Rose Capetta. Awesome. Uh, Okay, let's see. 
I want to kick off the news segment with a little follow-up about something we talked about previously. There is a new Netflix show called Letter to the King that we we saw the trailer and we were very excited. I was very excited. And I have since watched it and I just need to say that it sadly does not deliver on the promise of the trailer. Wah, wah. Yeah, it's deeply womp. It's um it starts out really fun like the first two episodes are pretty enjoyable, but then it's like they got they did all this diversifying of characters on the screen, you know, there's queer characters, there's characters of color, there's females with swords, but then they like I don't I don't, they must not have done it consciously, but it was like they decided to play stereotype bingo. So we have like bury your gaze and single special female and it fails the bachelor test and there's like some white feminism issues and it just like, so uh, yeah, if if you just want something distracting and fun, it's fine. But if you're looking for a good representation, you'll have to look elsewhere, unfortunately. So there's a little bit of a bummer. That's really sad to hear because it did look like it was going to be something good. Like it looked like progress. But this happens. This happens often enough. And so I can't say I'm surprised, but... Thank you on behalf of all of us for watching (laughs) that and letting us know so we don't have to watch it and cringe. (laughs) Yeah, I hate watched the finale last night and I was just... Also, speaking of which, the action in the finale is very disappointing. Like they just, it has some, it also has some issues aside from representation. It's just, it was very, it was a bummer. It was a bummer. So yeah. Oh, well. Um, But here's something nice for those of us who cannot leave the house, which is basically all of us. (laughs) Yes. Um, The Nebula Awards Ceremony is going to be online this year. So the conference was originally scheduled to be held between May. 28th and 31st in Los Angeles. But, you know, everybody everywhere is canceling or postponing because of restrictions on groups. And so uh, the SFWA decided that they're going to put the whole conference online, which is deeply cool to me. Um, Like, let's just like make it easy and safe for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Registration, I think, is open now. Yes, registration's open now. The whole thing will cost $150, which includes like all three days of panels and an annual subscription to archived content and then also one year subscription to the bulletin. Um, And so, and there's all kinds of options for donating to COVID-19 assistance or, you know, all kinds of good stuff. So I feel like this is an A-plus decision on the part of the conference organizers. And I have to look at my calendar. I'm supposed to be on vacation that week, and we'll see what's actually going to happen. Yep. <laughs> but uh, but I just want to tip the hat to the Nebula organizers, and, and we'll have a link in the show notes so you can register if you are so inclined. It's been really interesting to see how different events are kind of rearranging and rethinking how to do things in light of the pandemic and everybody wanting to stay safe. And it's always heartening to see when people take it really seriously, taking the, you know, people's health into consideration and making sure that we're all staying on track with, you know, flattening the curve. So I'm really excited. I'm really happy that this is happening as well, that they're moving to an online format, as a lot of places are. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to get some... This is really... 
rough <laughs> news, <laughs> I guess. It's a little bit, it was exciting to me at first. And then I was like, oh, never mind. So there were some early reports that Rosario Dawson was being cast as Ahsoka Tano in the second season of The Mandalorian. And at first I was very excited, as I mentioned, because Rosario Dawson is, you know, every time I've seen her in shows and movies before, it's been great because, you know, it's diverse representation and I thought she was a great actress. Um, And then I heard this story about Rosario Dawson having this alleged trans being involved in an alleged transphobic assault which as we were talking about this news over a book riot um, amongst contributors this came up and it was one of those things that completely passed under my radar this happened a while back it happened it looks like the news story I have is from October of 2019 And I won't get too much into the details of what happened because it can be potentially triggering and it's a complicated and icky story. But there was an assault on a transgender man who was working for Rosario Dawson and her family. And it talks about these allegations and about the court case. And um, it details what happened so if you want to read that just bear in mind that there are some really transphobic things and there is mention of assault and battery in it so know that um ahsoka tano is one of my favorite characters actually she's my favorite character from clone wars so that was why the news jumped out at me because i find i'm very hard pressed to get really excited about anything Star Wars, to be (laughs) honest, lately, because there's just so much of it. Mm -hmm. But when I heard about Ahsoka Tano being in the second season, I got really excited. It sounds like, though, I found another, uh, a more, I guess, up-to-date news story from Deadline that came out the day after the initial breaking news about Rosario Dawson's casting came out. They did officially confirm that Dawson will play um, a character who is not a recurring character on the second season. So if it is Ahsoka Tano, it, it will not be a regular series role, but they have not necessarily officially confirmed that Dawson is going to play Ahsoka Tano. So it's very like, is she? Is she not? I don't know. But there's also this really bad story about transphobia attached to Rosario Dawson. So this is just a a hot mess news story that I don't know what to do with. But I just wanted to talk about Ahsoka Tano and how great a character she is. Yeah, I am in a similar place. It's just like, you know, all your faves are problematic kind Mm -hmm. of to the nth degree. And it's difficult to know what to make of this, these Dawson allegations, because there hasn't been any updates since 
last fall that I've been able to find. So it's deeply unclear what's going on there. Um, I also, I confess I never finished season one of The Mandalorian. We stopped like two episodes from the end because I got frustrated with the structure of it. Um, Obviously, Baby Yoda is the cutest thing in the world. But the (laughs) overarching structure structure of how they were laying out the plot, I I just found it deeply frustrating. Uh, so I was just like, well, I'm happy. I'm happy for people. I'm happy for a, (laughs) like, I'm happy for a prestige show like The Mandalorian to get a woman of color playing an awesome character. Like, that's the part that I'm happy about. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. The rest of it is just kind of like, I don't even know. Yes. (laughs) It's like. I, I'm making a, a strange face right now, and that is yeah. basically the entire descriptor of my feelings about this. Um, and I actually just got Disney Plus. My friend graciously offered her oh. login, so I'm. I was so curious what you think of it. Then when you when you get around to watching it, I'm gonna probably try to watch it in the next couple of. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I have some, I have like 1 million things on uh, yeah. my watch list, especially <laughs> right. now that everybody's talking about what to watch while we're all housed in our different spaces. Mm. But I think I'm going to do a Steven Universe marathon. This oh, is hey. We're there first and then, and then I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that sounds legit. I think so. Uh, all right, let's see. Let's talk about some award finalists, because that's nice. The yes. 2019 Kitchies have announced their finalists. It actually happened about a month ago at this point, but and I've had it on the agenda, you know, but it got sidetracked because of various other things. But let's talk about these books, because I finally read one of them. Um, I am really behind on this year's new releases for whatever reason. And so the Red Tentacle, which is the um, award for novel, has a shortlist that includes The Firestarters by Jen Carson, This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El-Matar and Max Gladstone, Always North by Vicki Jarrett, The Memory Police by Yoko Ogawa, and From the Wreck by Jane Rawson. And the only one of those that I've read is This Is How You Lose the Time War, which... P.S. I loved. I loved <laughs> it. It was great. It was. Everybody said it was good. And lo and behold, it was good. That's always nice to hear. It lived it up to the hype. Is Yeah, it does live up to the hype. And then the debut list, I all, I've all i heard of more of these. Um, the 10,000 Doors of January by Alexi Haro is on here. She Would Be King by Y.A. Moore is on here. A couple of others that I'm not familiar with. And uh, yeah, I it just reminds me that my reading has sort of crashed and burned in any sort of organized fashion this year for not surprising reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is always a little kick in the pants to like try to get myself back on track as much as possible, which is you know maybe not going to be very possible. But I do love I do love the kitschies, so this is good ammunition for me anyway. I have absolutely been one of the people who's been having like a really bad reading slump. So Mm -hmm. I am in the same boat. Uh, But I have been, I actually started reading The Memory Police, which is on two of these for uh, the Inky Tentacle for cover art and also for novel. And I started it, but it was 
this was even before all of this happened. It just had this sort of really gloomy, bleak atmosphere, and mm. I was just not in the right mood for it. So I stopped and intended to go back to it. And maybe after all of this passes, I'll be ready to get back into it again, because I keep hearing really great things about it. And that's the reason I downloaded the audiobook in the first place. So it is yeah. nice to have a reminder. Yeah. Yeah, I've read Yoko Ogawa before and like bleak and distressing is totally yeah. <laughs> the atmosphere. So I'm definitely not going to be getting to that anytime soon. Yeah, probably wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that is nice news. Uh, I'm always glad to hear about people who are accomplishing amazing things and especially in books. Yeah. Um, I have some pleasant news as well, and it's in regards to free things online, which all of us love, especially (laughs) bookish things. So Harry Potter at Home is an initiative that started as a result of everybody staying at home. People across the book world and beyond are, you know, trying to find resources for people who have to stay at home. One of the ways that people have been helping out different organizations, businesses, and authors have been helping out is by offering to allow educators and the like to read their books aloud or use them for classroom, virtual online teaching, and that sort of thing. So in terms of The Wizarding World, there is Harry Potter at home. And I think that the big takeaway for most people from this initiative is that the first Harry Potter audiobook is available for free for everybody through Audible. So there will be a link to this as well. So if you want to check it out, there is a link to um, the Audible page where you can actually get the first Harry Potter audiobook. And it's also including an opportunity for teachers to read the Harry Potter books aloud to their pupils in virtual read-along sessions on video, which is something I've seen so many questions about whether or not people can use books and read books and parts of books and things like that online because there are still copyright laws about those things so it's good to be careful but in this case for educators at least there is now the opportunity for teachers to do that there's also a harry potter at home hub where there will be different types of activities for engaging kids especially if you have kids at home right now It could be really helpful. I know there are a lot of parents out there dealing with some things and emotions and uh, stress. So if you're looking for resources there, there, there's that. And um, you can also get the first book on Overdrive. Uh, Library patrons can access that book through Overdrive. You just need a library card to get the Libby app. I use Libby all the time. We all do. So Um, So you should definitely check out this page if you have a Harry Potter fan at home. If you are one yourself, there are some resources for you here for busying yourself and the kids. (laughs) Always a nice option to have. Yes, totally agree. And that concludes our news. So I am going to tell you about our second and final sponsor, And that is The Unspoken Name. 
by A.K. Larkwood. A.K. Larkwood's The Unspoken Name is a stunning debut fantasy about an orc priestess turned wizard's assassin. What if you knew how and when you will die? Sorway does. She'll climb the mountain, enter the shrine of the unspoken, and become an honored sacrifice. But on the day of her foretold death, a powerful mage offers her a new fate. Leave with him and live. Turn away from her destiny and her god to become a thief, a spy, an assassin, topple an empire, and help him reclaim his seat of power. But Sorway will soon learn, gods remember, and if you live long enough, all debts come due. This is described as a book that's perfect for fans of Ursula Le Guin's The Tombs of Atuan, and it features gay orcs, crappy wizard mentors, hitting the undead with swords. All of these things sound right up our alley. So if that sounds like a book you want to pick up, you should check out The Unspoken Name, again, by A.K. Larkwood. Let's talk about Willow. Yes. <laughs> I have been very excited for this because I grew up watching this movie every time it was rerunning on like Saturday afternoon TV. Mm-hmm. We would watch it every single time. Every time. Yes. But I, I, I don't think I've watched it since my teens, I want to say. Like I, I it's probably been 20 years since I saw it. What about you? It's been, I, I'm pretty sure I watched it in my 20s because I own a few DVDs and Willow was one of them until I lent it and somebody returned the case, but not the DVD. <gasps> and then you never spoke to them again? Never again. No. <laughs> <laughs> still to but still, but yeah, I absolutely love this I do I always talk about this and sometimes I forget that this was out a long time ago and it was kind of it was not that successful so there are a lot of people I know who have never watched Willow and I never know what to do with that right (laughs) I'm sitting here shaking my head because it kind of boggles my mind that like it's the same it's I mean to me this is just like Indiana Jones. Like, there's a certain set of movies that we just watched over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And and they were Indiana Jones, Willow, um, a couple others, Goonies, we watched like a oh, billion Goonies. times. And it's so hard when something is that baked into your childhood to remember that other people don't have the same experience. Yeah, and I don't know, like, I can't even tell them oh, you should absolutely watch that now. And even like, I, of course, have all sorts of nostalgia attached to it. But watching it this time around, I was like, I can absolutely see why people would not understand why I was so obsessed with this movie. And they'd be like, disappointed, maybe. That's so interesting, because I thought this held up way better than I was expecting. Like, not that it's without problems, but I was pleasantly surprised. I was kind of convinced that I was going to be sitting there just, like, covering my face, being like, oh, God, (laughs) why did I say we would watch this? Like, I was actually pleasantly surprised, but I was, I, I had my bar set very low. Yeah. I mean, to clarify, I did not find it that, like, I didn't find a lot of, well, a lot of problematic things with it. It was more like 
It's sometimes when I talk about labyrinth, and this Mm. is going to maybe sound as horrifying to others out there as it is to me. (laughs) When I talk about labyrinth, people are like, oh, it was so cheesy. It was so like silly and kind of, and I don't know if that's a matter of like, just these are maybe people who don't like a lot of, you know, adventure, silly fantasy stuff. But I, that's why I worry about telling people who have not seen, who did not see Willow in its prime to see it now, because I'm like, well, they're just going to think it's cheesy and silly and, and they're going to think it's a Lord of the Rings knockoff, but worse, like I've seen talked about online, which is, you know, there are merits to that judgment of it. It is very Lord of the Rings-esque. You know yeah. Oh, I have so many thoughts. So, but I feel you. I feel you. It's so funny, though, because when you were saying, like, you know, with the labyrinth or this, it's, oh, it's cheesy. I was like, and? Like, what's the problem with that? Like, I don't <laughs> I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> like, that's kind of the point, right? Like, it's fun. It is a little silly. It's, you know, I think Willow in particular is definitely has so many things that are clearly there just for kids. Like the brownies, for example. Mm-hmm. I have such clear memories of my brothers and I going around imitating them and they're like vaguely Italian accents. I was and- gonna I literally wrote down the question, what are those accents? Yeah, are yeah, they French same. or Italian? I don't know what it's supposed to be. I don't think they're real accents to begin no. with. Um but but I just I just but I like that's I I guess maybe it's true that some people that's not their jam. I don't I don't understand those people, but <laughs> but but yeah. I I can I can I can acknowledge that that is potentially a thing. <laughs> I'm just I'm just writing them off right now. Those people, I'm just writing you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's just I, you know, I don't know. I don't whatever. Anyway, it's fine. I bet most of the folks listening to the show are more on the side of a little cheese is not a bad thing. I would hope anyway. Yeah. That, and I, if you if you don't think so, like you're probably not listening to this episode, which is fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this movie came out in 1988. So I was six years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there were a lot of, there were actually a lot of really wonky movies out around this time. I can't remember when, like, the Time Bandits came out, yes. for instance, and, you know, the Goonies were around. There were just a lot of these, like, sort of silly, lighthearted, magical stories and, you know, magical in various forms. And I feel like my entire childhood is colored by these movies. And to me, I feel like this is probably why I have such a lasting sense of wonder in my heart. Because Mm. I can just never let go. Like when I heard, when I started watching Willow and the theme music came on, I literally got (laughs) teary-eyed. So I was just having all sorts of nostalgic feelings. And there are certain movies you know, that are like this, like the never-ending story as well, where you just hear the music and you're just transported back to this time where there was just all of these, there were just so many great magical movies. And Willow is definitely still one of those to me. 
Yeah, yeah, Sam, Sam. Um, should we do a rundown of the plot of Willow for anybody who's still listening but hasn't seen it? Yes, let's do that. Do you want to uh, go? Yeah, I'll try. So the movie is about a young, well, they're called Nelwyn in the movie, mm-hmm. a young gentleman named Willow who is a farmer and has two kids and a wife and lives in a little village and a baby comes like down the river and his kids find it and are like we should adopt it the first <laughs> the first problem is that Nilwins are they're like little people they're you know sort of dwarfish as and Warwick Davis obviously as the lead actor um it all makes perfect sense but you know they are a people and this baby is i think they call it daikini in the yeah. movie but it's like a you know human uh, standard height human baby and they're like we can't keep it also this is my one of my favorite lines in the whole movie you don't know where it's been was the first <laughs> response to finding this baby in the river i died i was like this is the best <laughs> oh my gosh amazing and it turns out that the baby is the baby of a prophecy there's an evil queen this baby is being hunted by the evil queen because she's going to grow up to dethrone the queen and the queen cannot have that obviously um there's also the queen's daughter is a young warrior named sorsha who's set off to try to find the child and bring it back so that a terrible ritual can happen um, and as part of this whole quest to figure out what to do with this baby, uh, Willow meets Mad Mardigan, who is a swordsman, who is one of those scoundrels with uh, eventually a conscience. <laughs> Takes a while to get there. Uh, played by Val Kilmer, young Val Kilmer, very formative for young Jen. And and they have all kinds of adventures together. And spoiler, the good guys win. And more spoilers, Mad Mardigan and Sorsha end up together. Also very formative romance in young Jen's life. And Willow finds that he can do magic, which is super amazing. So did I do a good job? Is that that's pretty You solid. did a great job. That was okay. very you got to the point. I would have gone on forever with all the little <laughs> subplots that I only just learned in this rewatch. Yeah, there are so many little side plots. And oh, I didn't even mention the brownies as part of their like, you know, merry crew that's trying to save this baby. There's two very small gentlemen who have who knows what accents and are are clearly there just for comic relief like they're ridiculous um they're kind of like the knack mac fiegel of like the <laughs> king series they're just troublemakers just trouble they yeah. have good hearts though yeah <laughs> and i you know watching it i was like this is just fantasy bingo like we've got a prophecy and a birthmark somebody says silence wench in the first three minutes there's yeah. like you know uh like you have a reluctant and doubtful hero you have a problematic swordsman there's a there's an evil queen like you just there's not a single fantasy stock element that this movie does not have yeah, there's a cranky talking animal, like yes. ragtag yes. team of a band of of people on a heroic quest. Mm-hmm. Like it's just everything 
It is like if there was some sort of synopsis for it as a book, it would just be like all the keywords mashed together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. And I wouldn't be able to resist it is the truth. So I actually owned the novelization of Willow at one point. Did you read it? I, I I don't remember if I read it or not. And I had this moment where I tried to hunt it down from the library online. I was like, I'm going to read it before the show and surprise Sharifa. And that did not happen. <laughs> it did not happen. I'm still impressed that you even <laughs> thought about it because I was not even considering novelization. Oh, it exists, co- though. It exists. I have such a weird relationship with novelization. Oh, same. Very but, same. But I would... I, I could absolutely see this being a book. So it might have been a completely smooth transition from film to book. And maybe one day I'll read it, but probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I actually, like, just to start from the beginning, the first scene that really, I think, had, in, like, imprinted my mind with absolute terror. Can we talk about how creepy the Nokmar hounds are? Oh, my God. They have, yes, they're so scary. <sighs> because they have, like, really weirdly long tails and kind of, like, boar faces and then, like, liony black mane. They are so terrifying. They're, like, fast-moving R-O-U-S's. Yes! Like, yes. rodents of unusual size. They're absolutely awful. So when... When Alora Dannon is taken, is rescued from this prison by this midwife at the beginning of the movie, and this midwife is the one who sends her downriver, she's being chased by these hounds, and so she drops Alora off downriver, and then is literally, they do not show blood or anything like that because this is, you know, intended for kids and things. But they show them, like, basically tearing her apart. Yeah. I was horrified. I was too. I was like, also, side note, that midwife never gets a name. And I think she is an unsung hero of this movie because she saves the prophecy baby. And then there's like a solid three months. Like that baby is like three months at least when it goes down the river. And so she is in the wilderness keeping a baby alive while being chased down by soldiers and, like, evil hound beasts for three months before she sends the baby down the river. Like, let's give that midwife an award. Round of applause for the midwife (laughs) trudging through the Arctic snow. Yes, the snow. (laughs) Right. It's, like, out of control. It is. poor woman. Ugh. (laughs) So the sh- the the Shire. I was gonna say. Oh, it the- is very Shire, though. It <laughs> yeah. is. It was like when they introed that scene where we first meet Willow and his family. I love Kaya, by the way. Oh, she's so Willow's good. Wife. I and love the how she kids. just like walks by him. Ugh. The kids. They're so good. They're so good. They're so adorable. All of the actors in this movie actually did a really even the baby like did you clock the facial expressions on that baby i have an actual note in my little (laughs) file here that says the faces this baby makes omg like it's (laughs) i don't know how they got those shots but they're incredible 
they're amazing. She does like the one eyebrow, like the arching yes. of the eyebrow. I even have difficulty doing that. Like this baby is just such a versatile little actor. Yes. I want to know what happened to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we take a moment, since, especially since you called it the Shire, to have a moment where I, I had never thought about this before, which is, you know, my own uh, blinkers, as it were, but... The the Nelwyn village, I had this moment of like, what, how amazing would it have been if they had cast the Fellowship of the Ring, the Hobbits with actual little people instead of just like doing yes. trick, you know, camera work to make the actors look smaller. Like that would have been, it would could have, could have been amazing. This is, you are totally, I, I had the exact same thought and I... That was one of the things that stuck out to me, actually, is that, like, thinking about how they actually had little people on this show. They did not, like, try to do one of those acts. And I know, like, you know, George Lucas was waiting until, you know, effects got to a certain point in technology before he actually made this movie. And so they, maybe they could have found a way to do it poorly, of course, but... I'm really glad for that. And obviously Warwick Davis career went off the charts Mm -hmm. and he's basically like he's a household name in science fiction and fantasy. And he was an Ewok before this. And that's how he got this role. So like the fact that they cast, that they made that choice in casting was... I thought that was really impressive. And also there were actual black people in the yes! crowd. <laughs> yes, there were there were people of color in that village. That was the most diverse village I've ever seen in a fantasy movie bar none. Mhm, especially like one that's obviously sort of medieval influenced yes! from a certain period. Yes. And I can't remember if I saw any diversity in the Shire. Nah, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Either. I think those movies are so white. It's just they are sadly, but yeah, I yeah, I was so I w- and the, that the fact that the movie opens that way and you see like families, you see people with different skills, you see warriors, you see farmers, you see magicians, you see just I mean it's it's so I don't I just can't think of any other depiction in a fantasy film. Of a village like that with actual, you know, actors who are little people. Like, I just, it's just, I think it actually was maybe revolutionary, which is bananas. I think so. I mean, I can't, I mean, like Time Bandits, which I mentioned, but it wasn't like, I don't even, I don't remember the premise of that movie. That was such a weird movie. I, I, I guess, I think, I mean, yeah, it's such a weird, It's you're not wrong. It's such a weird movie. But I think just to see them in, like, daily life, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. having having relationships, having kids, having jobs, having conflict, having heroics. Like, it just is, I, I think it's pretty rare. And, and so that's, you know, there are subsequent problems with willow around that like for example the unacknowledged and totally like unremittent ableism of all of the other characters in the movie towards willow 
um, like their use of that fictional slur just throughout the entire, like through the whole movie. And mm-hmm. nobody ever apologizes to Willow or, you know, so there it's not obviously perfect uh, in representation. Nothing is. But I do think that that opening is just sort of amazing. I do, too. Like, I basically want to live in the Nelwyn village because it was just like it was so alive and bustling and they did such a good job of showing like just a society Mm -hmm. doing their daily thing and that was really I agree that was that was super cool um so then they go off on this journey and I love that Willow is truly like a really great underdog character Mm mm-hmm in that he's kind of awkwardly trying to become a sorcerer. <laughs> and his struggle is like, he has this struggle throughout the thing. And poor Willow is like made fun of so brutally mm-hmm. in the beginning by his fellow people, but par- particularly by, what's his name? Burble Cut or Burgle something? Burgle Cut. Yeah, the <laughs> landlord. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's such a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he gets sent off on this mission, and then they meet Mad Mardigan. I 100% also had, like, I had the biggest crush on Val Kilmer because of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I know Mad Mardigan, Mad Mardigan's character probably influenced a lot of my terrible relationship decisions later <laughs> in life. Like, like, oh, you have long hair? You're kind of a jerk? Okay. Right. <laughs> Let's Great. Out. Sold. <laughs> yeah and i uh i did not like how he treated willow and that's where the ableism started Mm -hmm. in that word and they treat it as this sort of like comedic thing and that definitely was something i put in my notes yeah and then there's also the character on in this band the original band that gets dispersed there's a couple of warriors one of whom fun trivia fun trivia tony cox who was one of the black nelwyn warriors was also the minister who officiates the marriage of lydia deets and beetlejuice and beetlejuice I just is that true that's amazing. yeah i just learned that i was just like ooh, all of the fantasy weird bingo but yeah. so there's that and then there's this character who I'm just gonna persist with this Lord of the Rings comparison, who is kind of like the Samwise, Migosh. Mm. But he leaves so early. Yeah. And in my head I was wondering, like, was Migosh originally supposed to stick around like Samwise did, or was he just like kind of an afterthought character? Because what did he even really do in this story? I mean, you could say that he was there to give Willow the push when he needed it, you know, because that's true. Like we've said, Willow was very reluctant originally to take on this quest and did not feel qualified. And, you know, people are always laughing at him. So he doesn't have a lot of confidence. And Migash is like, in that very Samwise way, like, you can do it. Like, you could totally do it. I believe in you. And then, yeah, he does kind of disappear. And you're like, oh, um, but I, I do feel like, you know, he was a booster in a yeah. in a moment of doubt. So so there's that. But yeah, I would I could have seen more of Migash, agree. Yeah. He was kind of a nice a nice little character, but um 
But that's fine because there are so many other great characters in this entire movie. And I think that, I don't know if you have any favorites, but but Raziel yes. was definitely a thin Raziel who is the sorceress, who is the cranky speaking animal in this whole movie. I remember I was like basically a toddler watching this and I was like, I want to be her. Yeah. <laughs> like she's, she ends up being a really, she thinks that she's going to, once she's transformed back to herself, she's going, this is actually kind of a sad scene. She's going to be this young and beautiful person she was when she got transformed by Queen Baph Morda. And then so much time has passed. She's an older woman. She's in her, I don't know how old, but she's an elderly woman. But she's so fierce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's like this whole big battle scene at the end with her and Queen Beth Morda. And I'd never seen anything like that with two older women having this all out battle. And I just thought that was so cool. So she's definitely my favorite. Yeah, she is an amazing character. And I loved, I was just thinking about that battle sequence because at one point, you know, they're mostly fighting with magic. But then at one point, Rizel like hauls off and punches Bat yes! Morda in the face. And you're like, man, like, she's a tavern brawler. Like, that's so badass. Um, yeah, that ending sequence is kind of amazing because you have... Well, counting the baby, you have, like, four females in a room and Warwick Davis. So there's not, like, a single standard, quote-unquote, hero in the mm -hmm. room in the most important scene of the movie, arguably, which is amazing. Like, super amazing. It is. Like, Matt Margan Margan is over there playing swords with that general, whatever yes. his name is. General Kale. 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 <laughs> with, a, with a skeleton mask, of course. Of course he has a skeleton mask. Yeah, you've got Sorsha and Bavmorda and Finn Rizal and and Willow, like, trying to make sure, like, they're duking it out over the baby. And it's just so, ugh, it's so, it's so original and so different from most of the fantasy that we read or get on screen in so many ways. Um, yeah, that was, that was, like, I was, like, sitting on the couch, like, pumping my fist throughout yeah. that whole closing <laughs> sequence. It was so great. I, Finn Rizal's definitely a favorite I also as a kid I was obsessed with Sorsha because she had armor and a sword and she falls in love with Mad Mardigan mm -hmm. and I will say that she doesn't do as much as I like remembered her doing like I think my younger self inflated her importance to the plot quite a bit which is fine. Like, that's how memory works. It's totally okay. Um, so as a, you know, 30-something watching this, I was just like, oh, she's fine. <laughs> like, she's fine. Uh, she, you know, she does the thing. I will say she ha also had one of my other favorite lines in the movie because the way that she and Mad Mardigan initially get together is that he gets hit in the face with some, like, love dust, and then she's the first female that he sees, and so he, mm -hmm. you know falls in love with her temporarily and she doesn't know that that's what's happening and they're enemies at this point so it's this amazing like he's like wooing her and she's like what is wrong with you and he's saying all this like poetry etc cetera, etc cetera. and then they see each other again after the dust has worn off and he's basically abducted her to like 
provide safety for them to escape the bad guys. And they're talking about what has happened. And, you know, she's like saying, you said all these things to me. And he's like, uh, yeah, it went away. And she looks at him and she goes, I dwell in darkness without you. And it went away. And then like <laughs> punches him in the stomach and escapes. And I was like, this is the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> oh, that was, was pretty amazing. It was so good. I just love that moment. I love that interaction. Like her, her frustration and disbelief. Like she's like, I've been, I like thought you were serious and I was starting to fall for you. And now you're telling me it went away. Oh, it was epic. It's so good. That was so real. Yeah. Like, I feel like that absolutely deserved a bunch and yeah. a little bit of a a little bit of a kick in the ribs. Yeah, so yeah. I don't blame her for running off and going back to the evil side for that moment. No, but no. I used to actually conflate her with Red Sonia, which was yes, same actually. It's basically the same name. They both have red hair. They both have swords. Like, what? Sonia, same difference. Yeah, it's basically the same. Can we talk about a weird detail that bugs me? And I think it bugged me back then, and it definitely bugged me again now. Yes. Which is that the spell that Finn Rizal is teaching Willow to do to transform her back into her person self changes every time he says it. It yes. is never the same words twice. I was like, in the end, when he starts speaking, like, English words before he even gets to the spell yes! that isn't the spell he's been right. saying this whole time, I was like, are we, like, were you making that bad of a mistake before <laughs> when you were saying the spell? Was that why she just turned into, like, an ostrich and a tiger and, a, right. you know, a crow or raven or whatever? Like, <laughs> Yeah, what there is, is that? zero continuity in the spellcasting in this movie. <laughs> what if they were just like, what if the direction was just like, just make up some words. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, every time, just make up some words that sound cool. Because <laughs> do, we don't have anything written. I do wonder, though, because there's this one moment when she's first teaching him, when she tells him that this one word is like, the word that begs for change, I think is the line. And mm -hmm. then later, when he accidentally transforms, like, the fire brazier into a monster that he has to fight, I'm pretty sure he, like... That, that that word is back in there somewhere so they're supposed oh. they're supposed to be continuity but none of the other words are the same so you're just like i don't understand anything about how magic works in this situation <laughs> like none of this makes any sense they're like of course you don't understand you're not a magician right obviously <laughs> i am you not it's true it's true i am i am the uninitiated i'm sure it makes perfect sense um Ugh. Another thing about the magic is how long this ritual takes when Queen Beth Morta has the baby finally. And she's like, I will complete the ritual. And then it's like 12 hours of ritual. It's 12 hours of ritual. And then she basically like knocks over this bowl of blood and lightning strikes. And somehow in that half second, that's how she's like. She just goes up into smoke and yeah. is gone. <laughs> right. You're like, okay, none of that also made any sense whatsoever. <laughs> Where are some words for that? Where's yeah. The, like, what exactly <laughs> is going on? Oh. Those are very good. Like, I, there are definitely some things in there that maybe needed some workshopping right. before... Uh, they caught into that. The The one thing that I was just like meh about when I was watching it was the way the brownies were 
sort of dressed up because oh, I was yeah. like, ooh, it's a little bit like, of course, I didn't pick up on it when I was a little one, but um, it was definitely like, it felt a little bit, are you like appropriating some indigenous, especially with like the tattoos yes. and things like that. I know they were like leopard print things and um, camouflage. I will say I loved the little hat. That I can't remember if it was Frangine or or Rule who had the little mouse hat. Oh, right. <laughs> because it was like literally just supposed to be like a scalped mouse on his head. <laughs> I just thought that was adorable. But there was just some weirdness. I do not know what the brownies are supposed to be based on because who knows with that ensemble and also the accents. I think they were just like literally made into uh I don't know, a collage of who knows what. Yeah, I think you could make a very weak argument for like early Picts or Celts influence in there. Like with the tattooing and like the, you know, furs, like that could theoretically be, you know, sort of Celtic, Pictish, etc. But it's it's a super it's a stretch. I like I'm I'm being generous giving them that much it's hard to know yeah <laughs> i yeah. was just like i just had a question mark on my face when right. i was looking at them like trying of course now trying to dissect and analyze like all the little things about it but that was the only thing where i was like mm, we probably just put more thought into it than they did throughout the entire filming of that movie <laughs> that is very true <laughs> I will not even say that that is not a thing that happened because I was like treating this like some sort of academic paper. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> oh. But this story definitely lives on in my heart. I, I do not love it any less, to be honest, than I did before. And I'm really happy for that. Now, are you going to watch the series if and when it comes out? Yeah, I well, I will just say I agree. I do not love it any less, and I'm very grateful that that is true. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I mean, so listen, it's hard because this is an artifact of a very particular time and a very particular style. Yes. And so I think it really, I mean, Ron Howard has his moments, and... I am very willing to at least try something that he has worked on because often I do find his work entertaining and interesting. Um, but I, I, I wonder what they will try to pull out of the original and where they will go with it because it's been, you know, like... 32 years is it like it's been a while and 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 if warwick davis is in it i'm super extra interested which i think you know they're saying he is involved um so i I think i would give it at least a try but i am very like question mark about how what will they do (laughs) what will they do me too i am curious on how about how they're going to build up. I there's a lot of simplicity in this story, yes. so maybe they can get more complex with it. I definitely need to see Warwick Davis in this because I'll be really disappointed if there's like absolutely no sight or sound of him considering 
but it's purportedly it's supposed to be released on Disney Plus. So I I don't know when. I don't know how, but <laughs> yeah. it's supposed to be coming to Disney Plus at some point someday. And I'm definitely going to watch it. And I will give it at least one or two episodes. If I don't like it, I'm probably just going to bail. But yeah, after watching this and reigniting my love for this movie and this world and these characters, I feel like I'm ready to give it a try. Yeah, yeah, very same, very same. Okay, are you ready for an IMDb factoid? I always am. Okay, so Laura Dannon was played by twin babies Mm. who then never did anything else in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) I looked it up while we were recording, and their names are Ruth and Kate Greenfield, and this is the only thing they ever did. And if I were them, I would also be resting on my laurels because A-plus job, well done. Such a great job. Such an entertaining face. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> I hope their residuals just, like, continue to come in. I know. I hope they got something out of our rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did rent it from some online platform I can't remember now. So, like, my three cents or whatever hopefully is making its way to that. (laughs) Keep arching those brows, ladies. (laughs) All right. Well, do you have any other thoughts on Willow? I I think we've covered most of my, uh, my thoughts on it. I just really... I just love it. I just love. I I will say that I had forgotten about the scene where everybody gets turned into pigs, and I did not enjoy that on the rewatch. That was probably my least favorite part of this rewatch. It was pretty gross. Yeah, they really (laughs) went for it, and you're just like, "Ugh, this is nasty." It was pretty disgusting. They turned into sweaty pigs. It was, it was something to be seen. It, It was. But, I mean, that just adds to the charm. Gross, silly, funsy, ridiculous. So good. So, you can watch Willow. Tell us what you think about it, uh, whether you like it or not, whether you've seen it or not. Goodness gracious, I hope you have. Um, (laughs) But that's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about Willow. And you can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. Let us know uh, what you think about the movie and if you have any thoughts. And if you could review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. It helps people find us. And you can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? I am on Instagram. It's I am Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And I'm on Twitter as Jen IRL. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Zainab Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. That's it for now. See you next time.